Uh, let's get started for this morning. I want to start with a quick question for every single person this morning. Uh, I want to start with this right here. What actually makes Christmas Christmas for you? Like, what's the thing that moves you from it's turkey, it's Thanksgiving, and you just rounded the corner, oh, it's Christmas time? Like, what is the moment? What is the thing? It could be Christmas trees, it could be whatever. If you're like me, it's music. Any music fans in here? Come on now, Christmas music. Christmas music is the thing that makes me turn the corner. It puts me in Christmas mode. I now know it's Christmas season. Now, here's the thing, though. I grew up with the old school father. So for me, when I talk about Christmas songs, I'm talking about Motown Christmas. Yeah, I just lost some of y'all right there. I'm talking about Jackson 5 in the building. You know, I'm talking about Diana Ross, the Supremes. I'm talking about Motown. That's me. I grew up with a Motown type of Christmas. And not just oh, any old type of Motown. There's a particular group that I grew up with that my dad grew me up on called The Whispers. Some of y'all don't even know who this is. The Whispers is that group. You can show a picture of The Whispers with the big old mustaches. The Whispers is a famous group. And they have an awesome Christmas album that I play every single year. This is what kicks off Christmas for me because not only do they have a Christmas album, but there's one song in particular that goes something like this. Christmas, it feels like Christmas. All right, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. I can't sing, I can't sing, I can't sing. That's the song. Oh, all right. Play it again. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. Christmas, that is the song that turns the quarter for me and lets me know it is now Christmas season. I love it so much. And some of you are like that too. And maybe it's not all the good stuff. Maybe it's some of the things that come along with Christmas. Like when we all have to put up a tree and fight Satan himself. We've all fought Satan before. This is Satan right here. We've all fought Satan. Satan is a person, that thing that we have all faced before. Yeah, especially if you had a real tree, we have fought Satan before. And then you get up, you look at your tree, it's a little wobbly, and then you find out that this happens and it just falls over on you. Maybe that's not the thing that kicks off Christmas because some of you, you actually own Satan's little helper and you have another problem on your hands. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. I'm not a cat fan. Sorry. And so maybe that's not the thing that kicks off Christmas for you. Maybe it's not the inside. Maybe it's the outside that kicks off Christmas for you. And you got to light your house. You got to do all these things. You got to put lights on. You go and you, you know, untangle all your lights. You put them on your house. You take a step back. It looks pretty decent. Then there's always that one person in the neighborhood who went and bought every single light from Home Depot, threw it on their house, and it looks amazing. And every car is driving by. And now you're a little envious because everybody's looking at their house. Let me relieve the stress for you this year. Just do like this person did right here. Just go ahead and do this. Ditto. You know what I mean? Just, I'm not about to fight. I'm not about to go back and forth these days. I'm not about to do this, all right? Just ditto. Maybe that's not what kicks off Christmas for you. Maybe what kicks Christmas off for you. Sorry, I got to tie my shoe. Sorry, maybe what kicks off Christmas for you this time of year, if you're like my family, like my mom, it's family photos. And it's nothing like a family photo that's a forced family photo. You guys have seen this come across this before. Forced family photos. It just looks all around awkward. It's like, what is this? For me and my family, we took a family photo one year, and this looked like this. This is all of us. Oh, there's my family. Pretty solid. Yeah. 
It's pretty cool, but we decided, you know what, we're actually going to all email our best pictures into you because we know a person, when we're in person and take pictures, there's always a kid that moves everything from perfect to stressful. That's how it goes, right? There's a kid that moves everything from perfect to stressful. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then you soon find out that there is no more joy in Christmas. I don't know what it is for you. Exactly. Look, the kid, and you guys are trying to make me have kids with Aisha. I'm not doing it. You guys are inside joke for those of you who have been coming before. So maybe I don't know what kicks off Christmas for you, but I want to ask that question this morning. What is it that kicks off Christmas? Because there's so much that goes on during this season, and you have made it here this morning. You deserve an applause because you have made it through lines. You have made it through stress, all sorts of things that go on during this season, and you've made it here this morning to hear a message, and I applaud you. But for the time that we have together, let us set that all aside Let's set aside all the shenanigans, all the Christmas trees, all the, especially the cat and all that stuff, right? Let's set it all aside for a moment. And for the next few moments, what I want to do is experience Christmas. In particular, the first Christmas. And when I say I want to experience the first Christmas, what that means this morning is we all know some of the things that kicked off our Christmas whether it's the Motown Christmas, whether it's the trees, whether it's decor, but what was it that kicked off the first Christmas? What was the spark that brought Jesus Christ to earth? What was that? What kicked off the very first Christmas? And that's the question I wanna explore together with you this morning because I believe if we don't get the first Christmas and today's Christmas on the same page, if we are misaligned with the first Christmas and today's Christmas, I think we miss out on everything that Jesus intended for us to experience during the season. I think we'll wake up on January 1st and realize it is past us and we were not able to embrace all that Jesus brings to us during this time. On the opposite end, what I do believe firmly is that when we have those things on the same page, the first Christmas and today's Christmas, We get to experience the joy and the love of Christmas from Jesus that he intended us to experience. So this morning, I want to look at the first Christmas. There's this guy named Matthew. He's what they would call disciple of Jesus. He walks around and he's actually been following Jesus's life and his account of Jesus. He's been writing down what's taking place. This guy named Matthew, the the very first page, Matthew chapter one, it says these words right here. So what does the first Christmas, excuse me, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this 
first Christmas account of Matthew, there's two discoveries that I see in this passage that I want to really highlight this morning. Two things that I believe when we bring it to the surface, we will actually experience Christmas in a new way when we leave this place. There's two things in this passage that I think is going to change a little bit of how we see God in this season. I believe that we got to get this right because when we get it right, we can understand why people are so in awe during this season. But before I get into those two discoveries, I got to tell you, it's not only the whisper, you know, uh, the whispers uh, Christmas album that brings a smile to my face during this season. It's not only the Whispers Christmas album that turns the corner for me and lets me know it is Christmas time, but also lets me know that it's Christmas time is Hallmark cards. Yes. Hallmark cards and Hallmark movies, you guys know what I'm talking about, especially the ones that can get really cheesy. The ones that can kind of like, oh, you know where this is going, and the ones that can actually kind of make fun, have a little satire. I pulled up a few of them. Actually, I left my phone. There was a few that I actually pulled up, and it was so funny that I got a chance to look at the cheesy ones. Some of them they were talking about... Um, of uh, how during this season, oh, I forget, to, I missed it. Oh, here we go. My wife's got my back. There we go, babe. Thank you so much. Got my back. Thank you. All right, I'll give you a kid. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Inside jokes for you who are new here. Sorry, it's such a family vibe. I got to read this. Here's the thing. One of them reads, the Hallmark card, only a few more shopping days until your loved ones find out how little you understand them. Another one reads, on the first day of Christmas, your true love gave to you nothing because you're single. Ugh, ouch. It's all Hallmark. Don't get mad at me. This is Hallmark right here. The next one says, "'Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, everyone was on their phone." Yeah, you guys know how it is with technology. It's these different cards, season's greetings, joy to the world, all these different cards that come up and that we laugh at. It brings a little smile to our face. But as I begin to write this, and as I begin to prepare for this message, something stuck out to me. Some of the things that I make notice of that when we look at the cards, when we look at Hallmark, when we look at this season, is that there's always a person that's writing the card or receiving the card that their life doesn't match up with the cheesiness within that card. Their life doesn't look like what the card says. As much as your mom wants to be helpful, as much as your parents or maybe even your spouse, whatever it may be, they give you this card and you open it. And so many times our lives don't reflect what that card says. It makes me wonder that there's this Christmas card that we can all kind of live into, this Hallmark card. And honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a real life Christmas card. There's a Christmas card that we all face. Because whether you're having a good season right now, we all have moments that are not so Hallmarky. That's a word, I just made it up. It's a word, it's, it's a season that we all face that's actually not the reality of what the card says. And if we were actually to uh, pull back the layers, if we were actually to look at real life Christmas cards during this season, I think we could probably understand why people face so much stress and depression. Statistics tell us that things, that it spikes through the roof during this season of Christmas 
because of grief and because of loss. And if we were able to look at real Christmas cards, and if people were to be honest as they wrote down their feelings and their reality, it'll probably read something different. It'll probably read something like, Dear Dad, this is the 10th Christmas that you've missed and I don't have you in my life. I've written card after card. I've sent you gift after gift and there's no response. And I don't even know why I'm writing this one, but for some reason, I feel I need a dad right now. Love, fill in the blank. Dear mom, I lost my job for the fourth time Due to my past criminal record, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I'm tempted to go and do things that I'm not supposed to do, but I need money. I have to feed my children. I don't know which way to turn. Continue to pray for me, but this season is the worst. Love, fill in the blank. Dear Grandma, this is the last time that I'm going to be writing you this because this is another year where Grandpa is not with us. And I don't know if I want to face this anymore. And I hate having to go through this. Love, fill in the blank. Dear mom, I'm uh, going into work for the last time because I keep going into work. Colleagues are dressing up. I don't want to get out of bed. My boss is telling me all these things, but it's this season where it's supposed to be putting on a face and supposed to be smiling, and I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't want to go back to work. I don't want to do those things because all it does is remind me of my divorce. Love, fill in the blank. I believe in this season, in this moment, that there's these two cards that many of us are faced with. And I believe what we have to really lean into is what was the first Christmas all about. Because maybe there's a solution in that. Statistics tell us that it's during this time of the year that we face so much. Let me just give you just a quick reality. This is quick that this is actual things that take place. In Psychology Today, in a November 28th article, they wrote why people get depressed at Christmas. We are told that Christmas should be the happiest time of the year, an opportunity to be joyful and grateful with family, friends, and colleagues. Yet, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is the time of year that people experience a high incidence of depression. Hospitals, police forces, and first responders report a higher incidence of suicide and attempted suicide this time of year than any other. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report a more significant increase in patients experiencing depression. One North American survey reported that 45% of those that responded dreaded, responded dreaded that this was a festival time of the year. 45%, almost half of people in North America say they dread this time of the year. What has Christmas become that people have allowed so much to bog it down and to become so frustrated with the way of life? It's a reality that we face all of these real things and yet what gives me hope what encourages me is that what kicked off the first Christmas 
was not the glitz and the glamour. Why Jesus came to this earth was not for the cheesy Christmas card. He came for the real life card. And I know some of you right now are thinking to yourself, Maurice, this is Christmas. Why do you have the room so somber right now? Why are you talking about all this deep stuff? Let me just encourage you for a second because I believe this sort of thing matters in a real way. If this is statistics, if this is a reality for so many of us that Christmas is not the happiest time of the year, what do we do with that? The encouraging thing is this, the common theme between the first Christmas and today's Christmas is darkness. And maybe you haven't faced darkness just yet. Maybe you're not in a season of darkness, but we all experience darkness. We all experience these moments where it feels and seems hopeless. And I am encouraged so much that Jesus stepped on the scene in the midst of darkness. Jesus decided to come close to us in the midst of all that we are facing, not just for the good Christmas card, but he came for the real life card. Because if I got it all together, I don't really need a God. I don't really need a savior. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we're real with ourselves, he came for the card that no, none of us like to talk about. He came for that side of us that no one really knows about. He came for that side of us that when we look in the mirror that we're unsatisfied with. He came for the real life part of us when we don't want to get out of bed anymore. He came for the real life Christmas card that we face real things and we don't want to do what we used to do, but we keep finding ourselves doing the same thing that we said we wouldn't do anymore. We said it was the last time, the last time, but yet we're doing it again and again. Whatever that is in our life, Jesus came for the real life Christmas card. And this morning, what I really want to highlight for many of us is that the darkness that he steps in on is this thing called sin. Now, I don't want you to turn your ears off. I don't want you to just kind of walk out on me. I don't want you to just kind of like leave this place just yet. Because some of you, you've probably, I want to take a real quick break. Because some of you have had moments where people from up, up, up front on stage have used that word to abuse I've used that word to justify injustice, to justify wrongdoing and actions that no one is supposed to ever experience, but they used that word. When I want you to hear, when you hear the word sin, I want you to hear the word relationship barrier. Because Jesus wanted relationship. Here it is. The two things that we see in the passage is that Jesus came for relationship. And relationship so much so that he said, I will destroy any barrier that is in the way. When you think of sin, when you walk out of here, I want you to think of it as the barrier between your relationship with you and God. If you've ever been in a relationship before, you understand that there's certain things that create a barrier. Maybe it's baggage. Maybe it's something that you bring to the relationship, but you can't have true intimacy. You can't really love the person the way that you want to because there's a barrier. And what Jesus does is he loves every single one of us so much that he wants relationship with us that he says, I am not letting any single barrier stop me. So what he does is destroy the power of sin. The Bible tells us that the season that they were in was a dark time. It was a time that no one wanted to do anything. They started to give up hope and Jesus enters in. 
There's this moment that uh, I remember as I was putting this together, because some of you right now, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Maurice, please just give us a Christmas message. Just give us a Christmas message. Give us the joy. Give us a smile. Give us the gingerbread. Give us the hot chocolate, Maurice. Give us some of the things that make us smile. And I thought to myself, you know what? I need to do that. I thought to myself, like, I don't want to be the guy coming up here talking about sin during Christmas season. I let, let, me, let me just not do that because I'm going to be the one that's ridiculed. How about I be the guy that's uplifting? I'm more of an optimistic guy. Let's not go down this path. And so I had to go back to the first story and read it. And if we read it together, maybe you can explore what it says with me. Because I was shocked, maybe just like you will be shocked. Let's look at verse 21. In, this Bible, in the Bible, Matthew 21, it says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins because he will save people from their sins. The joy of Christmas is because we were in darkness and Jesus comes on the scene In the midst of all that, the best way that I can highlight this, the best way that I think that you'll probably grasp this, is this story that I want to tell you. Because uh, a few years ago, I got married uh, with Aisha. Four uh, four years ago, we just hit our four-year mark of being married. Um, I said four-year mark. I know you guys clap usually when it's 40 years, but uh, if you're ever married, you know what I'm talking about. It's four years. Can I get a hand, man? Like, thank you. Four years. It's not the easiest thing these days. But I love it, my amazing wife, uh, right before, of course, you go through this engagement process and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I gotta propose, I gotta do all this. Right before I um, think about proposing, I go on this trip to India. And I'm on this trip and I'm going to India, it was this mission trip and I'm actually going to all these places that weren't so good and then I'm going to these places that really are good. Right before we leave, we're going into this touristy area. And this touristy area, people are coming and going. And I think to myself, you know what? I want to marry that girl. I want to marry that beautiful half black, half Dominican female. That's my wife right there. And I'm thinking to myself, yes. And I call my parents and I say, you know what? I'm broke. I need some money because I want to buy a ring out here. What if I bought a ring in India? And I thought to myself, let's do this. So I call my parents and let them know, let me, please help me out here. So I go to this jewelry shop and we're looking around for rings. We're looking around. We're trying to see what rings are we going to get. We go in here and I I was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to be able to find one that I really like. It was really to my amazement that I'm starting to walk around. And we went to one shop in particular that was so amazing. I mean, every single ring was awesome. And I started to think, I don't know if I could afford this and this and that. And then I find one that's in my price range and actually jumps out at me. I'm like, this is the one. So I start talking to the guy. I'm talking like I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. So what's the clarity on that? What's the cut? What's the uh, color and the carrot on that? Guys, if you're about to propose, you got to know the clarity, the color, the cut, and somebody, the carrot, color, cut, clarity. There you go. Four C's. You got to remember your four C's. So I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'm like clarity, cut, color. He's talking to me. He's giving me this. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm like, all right, here's the money. I want to buy it. He starts like, okay, perfect. He starts to package it up. He starts to put it in this amazing box. He starts to deck it out. I mean, it was like delicately put together. It was handcrafted. He hands me this box. He opens it up. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is amazing. It jumps out at me. And he begins to explain to me the clarity, the color, and the cut. And for some reason, it's starting to make sense. It's starting to really make sense to me. I'm actually starting to see what he's talking about. And he said, actually, you can see the diamond right here, the way that it's shaped, the way that it's this. And, it's, and he's going down the line, and I'm just in awe because it's all clicking for me. 
And he says, yes, Maurice, what happens and why you can see with a naked eye is because I put it on this dark backdrop. And when I put it in this dark backdrop, it was this beautiful, dark, velvet thing that he placed the ring right in the middle of. And I said, oh, my goodness. And he says, yes, when I place the ring on the dark backdrop, it accentuates the clarity, the color, and the cut. And he began to talk, and he says, wow, Maurice, if you give this to your wife and you open it up, what she will see is the clarity, the color, and the cut. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's coming alive, but it's coming alive because he said he placed it on a dark backdrop. This morning, when you think about Christmas, when you think about this season, I know sin is not the thing that's fancy to talk about. I know the relationship barrier. I know that's not the thing that we hear in Christmas music. I know when we look at our kids in the Christmas play, that's not the thing that we're always talking about. That's not the thing that's put in a banner and placed outside on a church. Sin, sin, sin. No, that's not the thing that's placed out there. But when you leave here today, I want you to know that joy means so much. God's love means so much. His forgiveness means so much because he stepped in on the means of a back drop that was dark, a dark backdrop, and it was accentuated because he comes close to us in our darkest times, in our darkest moments, in the midst of our sin. Jesus walks onto the scene and he comes to rescue us. Jesus, the name literally means God saves. God saves. And he comes in during the dark moments so that he can be recognized Let me tell you why people love this season so much. Because his love is in 3D. People reflect on his character and they begin to see the peace of God. They begin to see the love of God, the forgiveness and salvation of God. Why? Because it's on the backdrop of our dark lives. We all know if we're honest with ourselves, there's some moments that we face that are dark seasons, sides of us that we don't want nobody to know about, that we don't want to tell anybody about. But Jesus has no problem stepping in on our season of life and he is who he is because in the midst of darkness we can reflect on the first Christmas and his love pops out to us the joy of the Lord means so much because when we reflect on our lives it's on the backdrop of a real life Christmas card I'm not talking about the cheesy Christmas card the real life Christmas card and Jesus is so special to us because he sits right in the middle and if we look at our lives with him at the center it accentuates who he really is I don't know about you but I needed somebody who will step in for my dark seasons I needed somebody who will step in during the 2007 Maurice who wasn't the best person and redeemed that Maurice and say I have better for you I needed that person I needed a savior and Jesus comes on the first Christmas so that he can do then what he can do now for our Christmas today when we leave here and we think about the Christmas season let us all be reminded that he sits in the middle of a dark backdrop. Sin is a reality. It's something that we face, but it's a barrier that God would not allow. 
He said, I won't have it. And he came close to us. I'm not supposed to add anything to scripture, but when I see what God does in Emmanuel, it says that God with us, can I just add a little bit more to that and say God with us in our mess? It's the one thing for God to be with us, but it's another thing for God to be with us in our mess. And I thank him so much during this season with all that's going on, with all that's taking place, I believe he came for every single one of us. I know to be true for relationship and any barrier that got in the way, he would destroy that barrier. One of the things as the band is making their way up on stage, I I wanna really bring up to you and bring and highlight is there's a story of this man. And this man, he's actually coming home from work. And as he's coming home from work, he's excited because he has a two-year-old boy at home. So he's driving in his car and he's making his way down the road. He's smiling. He's excited. It's his firstborn. He's excited and he's really wanting to get home. He's speeding his way through traffic. He's making his way through the lights. He gets home. He turns off his car. He leaves his briefcase in the car because he's coming home from work. He takes the keys, he runs inside, he throws the keys on the table. As he throws the keys on the table, he hears a scream from around the corner, daddy, daddy, daddy. It brings a big smile to his face that he can't take off. As he's thinking to himself, this is my son. Where is he, where is he? They're playing hide and seek and so they're going around the house and they're going around, all around, all around. He's looking for him and he's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And his dad's playing the game, he knows exactly where he is. And he finally turns the corner and his two-year-old. And he looks at this two-year-old who has no diaper and number two everywhere. Just want to be, <laughs> I want to be politically correct here. Number two everywhere. Some of you parents know exactly what this is. Number two everywhere. And he's just, daddy, daddy, daddy. The kid has a smile on his face and he just has mess everywhere. And the dad continues, doesn't break a smile at all. He turns the corner and looks at his son. He runs near his son, closer and closer to his son with a smile on his face. He picks up his son. He twirls him around with a smile on his face and says, my son, my son. And what the dad doesn't do is that he doesn't come in and condemn the baby for having the mess. What the dad doesn't do is come in and break the smile and now have a frown because the mess that's on him. What the dad doesn't do is get upset and immediately try to throw a diaper on him. The dad picks up this baby and with a smile on his face, he doesn't let the baby know what he sees. He just smiles and brings him closer. And can I let you know that the Christmas message is that we were all running around in our mess, left to ourselves. And if we're honest, we weren't just victims of mess. We did some of the mess. We were persons who created some of that mess, created some of the dysfunction, created some of the lies. We were a part of that and we're running around in our mess. The father comes around the corner and runs 
close to who we are and says, my son, my daughter, and picks us up with a smile on, our, when, on his face. Can I let you know, Christmas is all about Jesus coming because the mess that we were in. And he said, I want a relationship with my son and my daughter. And he comes close to us. He is God. He is Emmanuel. This is the Christmas story. This is what kicked off the very first Christmas. I know it's not something that's always liked to talk about when it comes to sin, but can I encourage you as you leave here today, the beauty of Christmas is that we were in mess, that we were struggling, that we were left to ourselves. And if we're honest, when we're left to ourselves, we're prone to walk away. We're prone to be unselfish. We're prone to cheat. We're prone to lie. But he comes close in the midst of that mess and calls us his. This Christmas, as you are considering what stole my Christmas, if I could give this a title, it'll be who stole my first Christmas. Because all those things are awesome. The forced family photos, the the kid that's crying in the front yard, the house that's well lit, all those things are beautiful. But God comes into our life for this relationship. And those things are awesome. Those things are cool. I'm not trying to take away your gingerbread house. I'm not trying to take away your hot chocolate this morning. God loves and wants us to have the gathering and the joy and the Motown Christmas music. But don't let that supersede the first Christmas. Because in the midst of the dark backdrop, Jesus is the thing that we can look at and we can see his love, his joy, his forgiveness. This is the gift of Christmas that he has given every single one of us. One last thing and then I'm getting out your way. Some of you in the room, you're thinking to yourself, I'm already a Christian. I say yes to God already. That's a good message, Maurice, but maybe that's for someone else. Sounds good, but you know, man, yeah, I've heard a Christmas message before. And if we stick with that ring analogy, we all know that if you have a ring, the way of life can start to get, make it cloudy. There's gunk and dirt and debris and all sorts of stuff that gets on the ring. And every so often, you got to take it in and get it polished so that you can see the beauty in that ring again, so that you can remember that ring that you bought. You can look and see how beautiful it is once all that is gone. Sometime this week, I encourage you, Maybe it's your time to polish up that ring. Maybe it's your time in this season to take a look at your relationship with God and realize it's some things that's actually been clouding this relationship. It's some toxic people that have actually intruded on my relationship. There's some things, there's some businesses, there's some wrongdoing, there's all sorts of stuff that actually clouded the ring, the relationship time for you to polish so that you can look at that relationship and you can see it for all of its beauty once again. This is 
what God is asking of us. Maybe sometime this week you think about polishing your ring. Maybe your chances this morning and after service we'll have people down here to pray with you because you want to polish up that relationship. Jesus comes so that he can have relationship with every single one of us. And any barrier that gets in the way, a.k.a. sin, he has destroyed and he comes close to us. And in this season, we can have joy and love and forgiveness and salvation because he came to us in the midst of our mess. Let us pray. God, it is you that we thank this morning. The center of our lives, the very person who created us and shaped us in his image. The very person who has given us life, Lord, in this season. Let us not forsake the first Christmas. Let us not forget what sparked the first Christmas. Because if we're honest, the same thing that brought you for the first Christmas is the same thing that we need today. A savior for those of us, all of us who are in need. As we remember you, let us not forget that you stand in the midst of our mess, the things that we've contributed to and the things that we haven't. And you did not let sin have the last word. Because of you, we have victory. And I pray that as we leave here, we can remember the first Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.